Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Monica Reinagel, and this is the Nutrition Diva Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I want to talk a little bit about lean protein and whether protein really needs to be lean in order to be healthy. But first, a quick clarification about something that I said in a recent episode on grain-fed beef. In that episode, I said, bacterial fermentation of the food in a cow's rumen creates methane gas, which the cow burps back into the atmosphere. Methane gas is one of the so-called greenhouse gases. A long-time listener recently called the Nutrition Diva listener line to say that my saying so-called greenhouse gases somehow implied that there was some question about whether or not methane contributes to the warming of the atmosphere. And now that I think about it, it does sort of sound like that's what I was saying, but this was not at all my intention. The term greenhouse effect was first coined in the early 20th century to refer to the ability of the Earth's atmosphere to absorb and retain heat from the sun's rays. Although this started out as a hypothesis, it's one which has since been well established as fact. Greenhouse gases is a term that's popularly used to describe specific gases that contribute to or accelerate this effect. And there is certainly no doubt that methane is one of those gases, or that the greenhouse effect is a major player in the warming of the earth. And I certainly didn't mean to suggest that there was. When I said so-called greenhouse gases, I just meant one of those gases often referred to as a greenhouse gas. You know, I'm always grateful to hear from listeners with questions, and of course I love to hear compliments, but I'm also really grateful for constructive criticism, not to mention an opportunity to set the record straight. So thanks so much for that call. And if you have some feedback for me, you can leave me a message at 443-961-6206. And now on with today's topic. What's a good diet made of? Plenty of fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean sources of protein, healthy fats. You've probably heard this litany so many times that the words almost fail to register. But today, I want to zoom in on this term, lean protein. What does this actually mean? The definition of a lean protein is one that has no more than 3 grams of fat per ounce. That would include skinless chicken, ham, pork tenderloin, but salmon or peanut butter, on the other hand, would not be considered lean proteins. But does the idea of lean protein really make any sense? Is leaner protein necessarily better for you? Part of this may be a holdover from the days when we considered fat to be the enemy. Most of us have now realized that although we do need to ensure that our calorie intake is appropriate for our needs, we don't need to strictly limit the amount of fat we eat. In fact, replacing some of the refined carbohydrates in our diets with healthy sources of fat can actually be a nutritional upgrade. The Mediterranean diet, for example, is quite a bit higher in fat than the diet recommended by the American Heart Association, but it's actually linked to a reduced risk of heart disease, not to mention diabetes and obesity. 
The emphasis on lean protein is also probably a throwback to a time when dietary protein was largely synonymous with meat. Leaner cuts of meat were thought to be better, not just because they were lower in fat, but also because they are lower in saturated fat. If fat was the enemy, saturated fat was the devil incarnate. Today, we also have a more balanced view of saturated fat. A moderate amount of saturated fat is absolutely fine, perhaps even preferable to a diet that contains no saturated fat at all. And I talked a little bit about that in my episode, How Saturated Fat Helps Your Heart. I'd also like to point out that not all of the fat in meat is saturated. About half of the fat in red meat is actually heart-healthy monounsaturated fat. So there's nothing wrong with enjoying meat that's a bit higher in fat, as long as it fits into your total fat, saturated fat, and calorie budget for the day. So if you had eggs and bacon for breakfast, maybe you'd go with a leaner choice of protein for dinner. But if you started the day with steel-cut oats, then a less lean choice might be just fine. Now, some protein foods that are higher in fat, such as fried chicken or pepperoni, are foods that you might want to limit but not necessarily because they're high in fat. Fried foods, for example, tend to be high in HNEs. These are toxic compounds that are formed when polyunsaturated oils are repeatedly heated or held at high temperatures. Most restaurants not only fry foods in polyunsaturated oils, but they reuse the oil over and over again. I talked more about that in my episode, Which Oils Are Best for Cooking? Now, the cured meats like pepperoni and ham and bacon are high in nitrates and nitrites, which, when combined with protein, can form toxic compounds in the gut called nitrosamines. And this might be why diets that are high in cured and processed meats are linked with a higher risk of colon cancer. But remember, the dose makes the poison. It's okay to enjoy fried foods or cured meats every once in a while, but these probably aren't foods that you want to be eating every day. And here's a fun fact, eating lots of fresh vegetables can help to neutralize the formation of those nitrosamines in the gut. So if you are indulging in some cured meats, don't skimp on the salad or the crudités. You know, judging meat strictly by its fat content can lead to some ridiculous conclusions. A serving of salmon has three times as much fat as a serving of ham, for example. But the fat in salmon is in the form of heart-healthy omega-3s while that lean ham is high in salt and nitrites. We're also being encouraged to seek out more plant-based sources of protein these days, such as legumes, seeds, and nuts. Now, legumes are certainly low in fat, but nuts and seeds are up to 80% fat. And here's the thing. We don't eat protein. We eat food. And most protein foods are going to provide a mixture of protein and other nutrients, such as fat or carbohydrate. But more to the point, most of our meals are going to contain more than one food. So when we're evaluating the nutritional makeup of various foods, we really need to take the whole diet into consideration. If you get a lot of your protein from legumes, for example, you're also going to be getting quite a bit of carbohydrate in the process. So you might not have quite as much room on your plate for grains or starchy vegetables. If you get a lot of your protein from nuts and seeds, on the other hand, well, you're going to be getting a lot of fat along with that. So you might not have quite as much room in your meal plan for avocados or whipped cream. 
And if you enjoy cuts of meat or types of fish that are relatively high in fat, well, you might not have quite as much room for nuts or high-fat dairy. I think you get my point. And if you're interested in how to get more protein for fewer calories, you can check out my episode on protein density. But I think it's time to retire the notion of lean protein. How about you? This is Monica Reinagle, and thanks for listening to the Nutrition Diva podcast. You'll find a transcript of today's episode, along with links to the related episodes that I mentioned on our website at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com. And I also blog and post recipes at nutritionovereasy.com. Stop by and say hi. Thanks for listening and have a great week. 